love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. What the world needs now is love. More love. Stars literally aligned. He's always been the one. There's someone out there for everyone. I'm Nancy Regan, your host on the Canadian Love Map. We are on a journey to uncover and share love stories of all kinds. He's never forgotten to bring me flowers. We're hoping we're going to give a little good news to this world. Even in these dark times, the life continues to go on. It's all about compassion, devotion, adventure, and of course, love. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs love. This is the Canadian Love Map. Well, love is the most important thing. I love her commitment to working through her feelings, emotions, experiences. It allows me to not only learn from her, but to not have to work through the same things myself. I just feel so seen and heard because that really is my life's work, Mm -hmm. is to do the inner work. Yeah. Hey, Nancy here. Today's love story belongs to Jenny Kirstead and Sophia Ray. They are mother and daughter, but they're also co-hosts of a podcast named Spark that is bringing a lot of light and some fire to the world. They're healing themselves and others through open-hearted conversations, and that's what we're having today. This is the Canadian Love Map. Well, there's a lot of sparks in the studio today. I have very sparky guests, Please welcome Jenny and Sophia. Hi. Hello. How are you doing, girls? I'm doing awesome. What about you, Jen? I I am. I am too. I was just thinking that you're currently missing school for this. So. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. And she's also calling you Jen instead of mom. I, I love that. What oh, that's that? something that we do in our pod. What is that? I, people kind of get after me sometimes for that. When did it start? Probably when I was around 16, we started yeah. working together, and I don't know, I, <laughs> the work relationship changed something. It feels kind of endearing. Yeah, yeah. I'm. It's not discounting or it's anything. It's a three-letter word. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good well, replacement for mom. My, yeah. Look, one of my sons started calling me Nancy when he was about eight. Oh, wow. And people were kind of um, they get a little put bit, off by yeah. it. Some, some of them were. And I remember saying, oh, it's a phase, you know, it's fine. And frankly, it, it's kind of a relief when you're used to hearing mommy, 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 mom, 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 mom. Right. It's like, call me Nancy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I still call you mom. Yeah. You're some, still my mom. Some people are very formal. Yeah. Like, I am not your friend. Right. I am your mother. Yes. I, yeah. We don't really have that. I mean, we do. I feel like it, we've had a really cool relationship where in certain aspects, she's able to take like the authoritative figure and be like, listen, I've got more experience. I've got more wisdom than you in this situation. Then other times we're really collaborative. We're able to kind of work things through together. Isn't that true? Yeah. There's there's no negotiables. Right. I put the hammer down mm-hmm. on. 
But a lot of the time, we as a family, I think, yeah. are very collaborative. Yeah. And it works for us. It doesn't work for everyone. Right. That's true. your personality. Yeah. What was your relationship like in the beginning when Sophia was little? She's always been the boss. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're just a natural leader and creative person. And uh, yeah, we had to be... I think a little more stern with you with regards to these non-negotiables than Bella maybe, but I, she's a dream. Aw, I appreciate dream. that. You know, I'm just thinking about discipline and it's kind of never really an issue. No. I yeah. think, Nancy, our family values have been so clear. Yeah. And they have, I'm, I'm assuming that everyone within the family unit, so there's four of us, have have agreed to them, you know, like they resonate with you. And so yeah. that's been foundational. They haven't, like we're very collaborative, like I said, in the sense that we've sat down multiple times. If the values aren't align aligning with our family unit anymore, we'll change them. Like we do that with screen time, um, with lots of things like me going out with friends. And so I feel like I've got autonomy over my life, but also I know that I have you guys in my corner instead of I have you guys watching over me and like yes. kind of like disciplining me for bad decisions. But so. you can advocate for yourself. Right. Yeah. If you feel, no, you know what? The, the lines yeah. need to shift a little bit. Right. We've done that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Let's, um, we're going to bring a couple other people into the room today, but let's bring Blair in for a moment. Mm. This is, there's so much love winding through your story. Um, Jenny, tell me a little bit about your love story with Blair. Yeah, I think it's so neat. As I was walking this morning, I was thinking how neat it is that I'm here with Sophia because typically I have heard the Canadian love map conversations between partners. So. Oh, we tell love stories of all kinds. Right. That's my favorite thing about it. Right. And yeah, I mean, Blair is Italian-Lebanese. I definitely didn't marry him to be a people pleaser, mm. right? Like, he's yeah. very clear on who he is. Yeah. And he's a family protector, a lover of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the Italians, they love food, they love love, they love music, and so... Our relationship has been filled with love from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up as it's it's deeply ingrained in me to be a human doing. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. has taught me to to work hard, but then to enjoy the pleasures of life. Yeah. And that has been just such a massive gift for me. I love that. A human doing versus a human being. Yes. So he's brought you to the being. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he's a mindfulness instructor. And you so work together. We do. So just tell us a little bit about that. Gosh, we do everything together. We parent together. We live together. We work together. And, uh, and I want to be clear to our listeners that our life is not perfect. Like we have blow up. Yeah, for sure. It, oh, good. It gets, <laughs> it gets messy. It yeah. gets messy. Yeah. But uh, we, we are committed. Yeah, we're committed. And uh, someone is always willing to repair or right. to start the repair. Yeah. So yeah. When did your journey with yoga and mindfulness start, Jenny? 
back in my mid-20s, so I struggled with anorexia and exercise addiction. What a wicked combination, mm -hmm. you know, to circle back to um, just not giving myself permission to be human and, and enjoy life. Mm -hmm. uh, for about eight years, it was it was a horror show. And, uh, and I almost didn't make it through. And so I moved out west and became a teacher and was functional in society, but still very much, you know, exercising way too much mm -hmm. and uh, moderating my intake. And so I just had this sense that I wasn't meant to be in the classroom mm -hmm. or in the gymnasium. So then there was a point where I just needed to leave. And I knew my time in Vancouver was finite and I felt it. And when I felt it, my cousin out of the blue called me and said, Jenny, I'm doing this walk across Spain and I can't think of anyone better to do it with than you. And so beautiful. Yeah. And it was, was it on the Camino yes, through Spain? Yeah. Yes. So we did the Camino together. And then from there, I just felt the calling to go to India. So I booked my ticket. I think it was in Leon, Spain, mm. and went straight from Madrid to India and then moved back east and started teaching. And I was like, I'll just see what happens. Was it your own eat, pray, love? Totally. Totally. <laughs> I have my own eat, pray, love experience um, that I've been writing for 25 years. Yeah. So one day. Um, but yeah, I just started teaching yoga and, and was very affirmed. And this was before yoga was cool. So <laughs> it was really kind of new and different mm -hmm. in the East Coast, yeah. even though Vancouver was, you know, very... Um, well-versed in yoga. There were a few who were here and doing yoga, and one of them is my beloved teacher, David Thomas. So, mm -hmm. yeah. When did your desire to help young women come about? So I met Blair. He was teaching mindfulness to educators and had heard that there was a yoga teacher in town. And so we met and never left. Mm. And uh, we were engaged within three weeks. What? I know. And we, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's super fast. We really? just celebrated our 21st. Wow. I know. I know. It's cool. Three weeks. Doesn't sister. work for everyone. Amazing. But it did for us. But Sophie was seven mm. when Ritea Parsons took her life. 2013. Mm. And... It just really, it, it really deeply rocked me because I'd had, you know, my own experiences with patriarchy and violation. And I think, I think every woman in some way could relate. I think I should say Ritea, for those who don't mm. know, was a young woman, a girl who experienced violation upon violation because after being violated, she was bullied severely yes. online and took her own life. Yes. And uh, I think everyone in Nova Scotia certainly still feels the reverberations from that. That's right. Uh, certainly anyone with a daughter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so my girls were seven and five at the time, and I was scared. Mm -hmm. I was scared for them. And I thought, what can I do to, to empower and foster confidence so that my girls and, and other girls can grow up in the wake of this experience and, 
and feel good about being young women. And so that's when I, I wrote this girl on fire program and it was, it was really labor intensive, but worth it. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And now, and I had no idea at the time (laughs) that Sophia Ray would grow up and join the movement and become so co-CEO of Girl on Fire Empowerment. Well, and it's kind of perfect, isn't it? Because in a way, you look at her and she looks like a girl on fire. She's exactly. got this gorgeous red hair uh-huh. and yeah. and spirit that is just brighter than a fire. Oh, she's got fire. <laughs> she got the fire. When did you start doing it together? Or, or was there consultation because she was a, you know, a child? Was there consultation from the beginning to get her perspective? That's a such a good question. question. I feel like it was kind of natural. Honestly, I feel like it was something that was supposed to happen all along and we never really talked about it. It just kind of became a thing. Our collaboration just, it sparked so naturally. It started with the podcast. We were sitting down in like mid-July and it was supposed to be, because mom had talked about doing a Girl on Fire podcast for the longest time. And so, you know, I was like, I love that idea. I love to talk. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we both have such an interesting perspective considering the generational gap between us. And so I was like, let's do it. So Spark became a little offset brand of Girl on Fire. And then I started working towards that with you. And then whenever I do my presentations in schools as well, it's an affiliation with Girl on Fire. So I love being the representative for this amazing program. Yeah, you're just the perfect face for it. And uh, and I will say that it needs to be said that we started this podcast to bridge the mm-hmm. intergenerational gap yeah. and and to also support ourselves and others right. in intergenerational trauma, which, right. which uh, you've had the unfortunate experience of, of receiving... I would say multiple traumatic experiences with the loss of both of my siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were right there supporting me through it. And, uh, you know, I'm very aware given the fact that I'm a somatic therapist and mental health uh, leader that, you know, I'm very aware of parentification. Mm-hmm. And and this is, you know, why I said that she's always kind of been a boss. Like she's always been mature beyond your years. And I hate that term because... It doesn't put pressure on me, though. I don't feel it's, pressure. It's not always healthy, but mm-hmm. I didn't force you into it. No, you but didn't. I remember at my brother's funeral, there were 700 people in the arena, and uh, I had my first panic attack, and Sophia was just right there. How old were you then, Sophia? Ten. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Tell yeah. me what parentification means. When the child parents the parent. Right, of course. And I in no way want to force yeah. that responsibility on you but i think the nature of our family is is very collaborative it is so collaborative whereas you know i i parent and support you but the girls also we support were, yeah. us i wouldn't say that we ask you to parent us no i just feel like it's very much an ebb and flow if one person is low then you know someone else is going to pick up the pieces yeah and i think that's how we've moved through the trauma yeah and don't you think that our children really are our biggest or greatest teachers? Mm. Aren't they? I think. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. think uh, 
I've learned so much from <laughs> my children, yes. yeah. so much more than I ever expected. I thought I was going to be the teacher and they'd be the students, but mm -hmm. I think we're all each other's teachers and students. Yeah, I agree with and that. And I think it takes a certain trust mm. in your relationship with your child to to open yourself to those teachings, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Like not everyone does. I feel like it's very vulnerable too. Mm -hmm. You like, have to you have to lose the sense of perfectionism, right? I think, which Jenny, I know you and I both have struggled with yeah. in different ways. Yeah. But you have to be able to put that aside and see yourself and allow yourself to be seen by your child as not perfect. Yeah. To be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. You've been really good with that. Yeah. It's allowed me to feel comfortable not being perfect around you. Mm -hmm. It allows me to come to her with, you know, things that could be categorized as mistakes and she just holds space for it. That there's never any judgment. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Because then you end up sharing things that other children yeah know. it might be a little bit too open <laughs> tmi too much information i've heard that a lot we couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the canadian love map podcast without the amazing support of charm diamond centers they are canada's largest family-owned jeweler and they're proud to be putting love on the map the folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. I want to pick back up on the, the subject of trauma because yeah. you have had a lot in your lives, both of you. And the most recent and most powerful example, of course, is, is a trauma that all of Nova Scotia and and a lot of people across the country and the world went through with you mm -hmm. in an empathetic way and that was the loss of your sister Jenny do you do you feel comfortable talking about that i do and it, and it does relate to spark and our podcast that we yeah. started because i think uh lisa was a, she was a doer mm -hmm. as well and you know when when our parents got divorced and when Jonathan died she just went into action and I think I assumed a bit of that character trait when she died you I most just, definitely did yeah it was like I I can't just be with it it was too great yeah. and I don't think I've fully processed it I haven't it's too it's too much I don't know that I will ever fully accept and process it. And so one of the ways in which we coped was to get to work. Mm -hmm. And so we created this podcast and and it just gave us a platform to talk it through. Right. And I guess I better um, clarify what you had to talk through uh, as much as I hate to just say it out loud, mm. but uh, Lisa was one of the victims of the Nova Scotia massacre. Yeah. And it was unthinkable yeah. for all of us. So I can only imagine what it was like for you. Sophia, are you comfortable talking about it now? Yeah. I know you've worked, done a lot of work. I have. Through this. I talk about it to students. <laughs> All the time, every month. <laughs> Tell us about your Aunt Lisa. She was a lovely person. And would you say that she she had like angel-like qualities from the beginning? Mm. She was kind of yeah. bigger than life. She was. People loved her. Yeah. yeah. Right? She was. She yeah. was larger She was than a teacher. Life. Yeah. She was really well-loved. An incredible yeah. educator and mother. She was such a creative person, too. 
which mm-hmm. I see in both you and her. Sometimes I feel like I see mannerisms of her and you. Yes. Mm. And we were a year apart. Yeah. And shared a bedroom for 17 yeah. years. Wow. She was always dancing. She, you know how some people are just naturally funny and they can make you laugh with a certain glance or a mannerism. That was her. Like I grew up just laughing mm-hmm. and she was such a comedian and uh, a natural born leader. Yeah. Tell me how Spark grew out of that grief and trauma. I personally went through really difficult period of time right after that. I felt incredibly out of control in my environment. I couldn't control, obviously, the actions of other people. I couldn't control COVID. And so I started to really turn inward on myself and isolate from the external world completely. You were in grade nine at the time? I was in grade eight. Grade eight. Yeah. So... I became really hyper aware of COVID. I had a dad who was part of the aging population. He's older. And I was so scared that I was going to lose him too. Mm -hmm. Because no one could guarantee me that that wasn't going to happen. Right? I I had... We haven't been back to Cape Split since. You know Cape Split? Yeah. The trail. We did this family trek out to the point in Annapolis Valley and the the trail is very narrow and it was so anxiety provoking for Sophia. She was she cried through most of it. I would have panic attacks on the daily masks, but it was you you were really traumatized. I struggled with intense anxiety for a very long period of time. I stopped going to school. I couldn't be around others because I was so nervous of this this invisible threat. And so it was through that that I started working with the idea of post-traumatic growth because I couldn't stay stuck and I couldn't stay in this horrible feeling of just like uncertainty and darkness. And I didn't want the unpredictability anymore. I wanted to control what I could control and that was my creativity, and also my voice. Mm -hmm. So my voice for me has been really, really instrumental. It's been really important. It is your instrument. It's (laughs) it's what I feel like I've been placed on this earth to use. And so that's when I started both public speaking about trauma, literacy, and mental health awareness. And then we started the podcast. I don't think it it was not only a way for us to just process what had happened to our family, but to prove to others that there are tools that you can implement within difficult situations. It doesn't fix it, but it makes it a little bit more bearable. And ultimately, for me, as someone who has been using them on a daily since, it's made my life so much more... I don't, I don't have a word for it. It's not easier. It's just, it's less suffocating. Oh, and I was going to reach for enriched, but yeah. I'm sure it's been that as well, but less suffocating yeah. is really a compelling way to think about it. Yeah. How do you describe the podcast to people? What's, what's your elevator pitch? <gasps> I love that. I think it is basically bridging the intergenerational gap. I think that there's 
just a lot of families who there's such a fracture yeah. between these generations. I mean, we didn't grow up with screens. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> you, I mean, we held off as long as possible. I think yeah. it was grade nine or 10 when you got your phone, but it's a significant part of their life. What I realized was that as people's mental health was uh, declining with COVID and everything, mm -hmm. the climate crisis, uh, I felt compelled to be a voice for the functional possibility, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the possibility for health and yeah. well-being and yeah. functional relationships because I'm an empath. I know you are. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're all affected by people's energy, whether yeah. we know it or not, the empaths do. And so I just thought, I have to contribute yeah. And you did that from a place of deep grief, which was so powerful and continues to be powerful for those of us who witness how you did that. Because, you know, it would have been so easy to just sort of go into a shell. But you were a voice for, for you know, victims' families. You were a voice just in the darkness saying, let's try to bring love and compassion to the world. And it was extraordinary. And, and I'm still so in awe. Well, and it's Lisa's legacy, too. This is, yeah. this is who she was. This is what she would want. And so I feel a bit like I'm working for her. <laughs> like, like truth you, bumps right like you say in your public talks that yeah. I am now her voice yeah yeah you are you're doing a really awesome job at it too thanks what are you loving about doing this podcast together you know it's given us the opportunity to have some really interesting conversations with one another we did a podcast episode on her anorexia we talked about it I don't know if we would have had the opportunity to speak right. so deeply and so honestly about your struggles. As a daughter, I'm able to understand more profoundly what she went through at my age. Mm -hmm. And I'm also able to understand, oh, hey, I have qualities of that inside me too, right? That intergenerational piece. I'm able to recognize the tendencies that are there. There's this understanding that we have gained of each other that I think is really making our relationship so much richer because we just have like a deeper perspective of one another. Wow. Who are you, Sophia? Are you a thousand years old? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hashtag old soul. I know. <laughs> She's in grade 12. <laughs> Let's just make this clear. Yeah. Are there things that you have been able to talk about that you might not have, have voiced or put voice to otherwise mm. with your mom? Yeah. In the most recent one that we did, we did like a little summer wrap up of everything that went down. And it was really interesting because we went our separate ways with the questions. So we had the questions and then we both thought about them and then we came back to each other with them. So it was like a little bit of a surprise about what each person was going to say. And... It was really interesting because, you know, I've always felt like someone who I pride myself off of having like a bit of like no barriers really within our relationship because I feel like that's how I've really fostered trust within the family is that they can trust me to be honest, to be vulnerable with them. And I feel like through the podcast, 
I felt even more comfortable doing that. But I shared a lot about what I struggled with this summer with you, which I might not have had the opportunity to talk about. Sometimes I internally process things a lot and I don't want to speak about it. But given the platform, we were able to work through it together. Yeah. What would you say your purpose is? What is the motivation, the most pure motivation behind the podcast? For me, I just think it's so darn cool that in three generations, you know, what is it? My great, great grandchildren will have these recordings of us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll That's have a, good point. a sense of who we were. Yeah. And what we stood for, what yeah. we struggled with. And I just think that's, that's just beautiful. And, and then on a personal level, I would say that's, that's my motivation. And then from a more global perspective, I just, I think that humanity is just really struggling and, mm -hmm. and we are at odds with each other. And I mean, I'm a yoga fanatic and yoga the root of yoga is huge to unite all aspects of ourselves and to unite one another. And so that is, I would say that's my more global motivation yeah. is to bring people together with love. Yeah. Well, that's pretty beautiful. That's a, a beautiful purpose to have. I often, if I'm interviewing or having a conversation with a couple, which we do sometimes here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I often ask, what do you love most about the other? I and I that. would love to ask that about you guys. Sophia, what do you love most about your mom? It's a really awesome question. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I love her commitment to working through her feelings, emotions, experiences consistently on a daily because what that does is it allows me to not only learn from her but to not have to work through the same things myself yeah right she is committed to doing the work so that i don't have to not the same work at least because obviously i'm going to go through my own stuff which in turn i will work through so that i don't pass it on to my kids but i just really appreciate that and I've said that in the podcast is that means so much to me wow that you're doing that okay Jenny Where's you gotta that? follow that <laughs> I just feel so seen and heard because that really is my life's work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is to do the inner work yeah uh what I love about Sophia is uh that I mean yesterday we had it out didn't we? Yeah, we did. There was oh, yeah. We were driving together and we were just like, we both just wanted to step out of the car. Yeah. Was there yelling? Yeah. I, I usually yeah. do the yelling in the situation. I'm a very fiery person when oh. I get angry. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I think we both were. We were just, yeah, we were in it. Yeah. And yet, even though we get in it, we dip into those, those um, kind of rageful states. Yeah. I still know that that she's coming back. Right. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't always so for me in my life. Mm -hmm. So I have insecure attachments. Right. And Sophia has really helped me to heal that. Uh -huh. Like I just I just know that that even when I'm 
imperfect in my relationships and my communication, you'll you'll love me through it. Same goes for you. Yeah. Yeah. I make mm. mistakes all the time too. Yeah. Yeah. And is there is there something there, Sophia, about the fact that you have been allowed to express anger? Because right. I, I think it's safe to say that Jenny and I in our in our generation, it wasn't that was not encouraged or allowed. Yeah. And I think from my observation, you've been given the sense of freedom yeah. to have all your feelings. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's Nancy. a really amazing right. point. I think that for a while wow. there too, I disconnected from my feelings. So I like because they were just too they big. They were just too big, and I didn't cry for like two years straight, mm-hmm. right? And so I think when I do feel anger, when I do feel sadness, I almost let it overtake me a little bit. I let it have its voice because it's a new feeling, but it's also a good feeling. It means that I'm processing what's going on around me. And so I think that both mom and dad understand that I'm not violent or anything like that. And I'm not like. No, um, no. You know what I mean? Like I'm not. We all understand that anger is a cry for help. It's it's a yeah, boundary it's a issue. It's yeah. a need that's not being met. Yeah. So we're able to kind of sit with that. But yeah. you're so bang on. Yeah. Like wow. zero permission yeah. right? <laughs> to express anger. So at some level, like this morning, you were upset about something and I had to put my mug up in front of my face because I was smiling <laughs> because it was like there was something cute oh, about it. The Re- expression of yes. anger, I think. It's for, I have a thousand year old daughter as well. Mm-hmm. And I am so amazed and, and I don't know, in, in reverence of of her ability and your ability to allow that emotion, yeah. you know, putting the motion in emotion, yeah. really, yeah. instead of bottling it up. And I think you're yeah. going to, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what you do in this world. Yeah. Right. What do you want to do, Sophia? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I really want to continue, I want to continue my commitment to destigmatize mental health within teens. And I really want to promote entrepreneurship within youth. Those are the two main things that I really want to do in my life. And so I'm committed to that. I am very excited to just see where all the projects that I'm working on go in the future. And I said to mom a a couple of weeks ago, is I really like the unknown? Sometimes. Because I took this perspective on it. There's endless possibilities in the unknown, right? Absolutely anything could happen. And so it's it's nicer to me to not know what the future is going to look like mm. because I'm able to make it whatever I want to make it. That's so amazing cool. because, I mean, a lot of people look at that exact same thing and feel fear. I do feel fear. But you have found a way to frame it so that you can focus on the excitement around it. I'm going to get my daughter to listen to that answer for sure. (sighs) That's great. What is your favorite memory together? And now it probably won't be the same. So I'm going to ask each of you. Jenny? We we asked each other this question on the way here. I was like deeply thinking about it. I am not telling you my answer. And I burst into laughter because the first thing that came up was Sophia. She was Uh just verbal. So I think she was like one and a half or two. And we lived down by the water. And every day we would 
walk along the water and there was this uh, stump, a tree stump. And every day she would walk down to the water and she couldn't wait to stand on her stump. It was her uh. stage. <laughs> it was her stage. And she would stand there in her two-year-old little body and sing whatever song came through at the top of her lungs. And we would stand back and watch and applaud. And it was just brilliant. And it's really, it's so you. Hmm. Were they it's a good so audience? Yeah, they were very engaged. <laughs> it was awesome, really good for my self-esteem. <laughs> Do you have a special memory that you'll share with us? I was really thinking about this in the car because I feel like my brain is quite selective. Like I'll forget the entirety of the past and like just live within like the premise of like the last like two weeks. And so like a favorite memory, it's either going to be really recent or I'd have to go way back. I don't know why this came to mind. It wasn't like we were really doing anything together, but when we were in, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Paris Veritas in LA, it was oh, yes. this oh. temple church place that we went to. And I just had the most beautiful experience. And it wasn't really like we were, we were just coexisting in that moment. Yeah. She was just sitting there next to me as I lived through this moment and she was living through her own. And it was just such a, a wonderful representation of living together through life. Wow. And there was like beautiful ocean in the background. And as I walked out of like the church, which it was all windows around us. Like it was stunning. Dolphins were swimming in the water. It's just really magical, beautiful memory. Yeah, that was really spectacular. And we were both in our own process, connecting spiritually in some way. Yeah. And when we both felt complete, we just held each other's hands. Yeah, I remember that. And we knew we were ready yeah. to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you are uh, an inspiration to a lot of mothers and daughters. But I, I would expect also there are mothers and daughters who think I could we could never get there. We're too far yeah. apart. Do you have that feedback sometimes? Yeah, we do get that feedback. And that's why I, I, I find it important to share that we we are hot messes. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not us all the time. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's important for us to reinforce because, yeah, life is life is messy. It's okay I, to be messy. I think our winning formula is curiosity yeah. with each other. Like we're both just curious yeah. and and committed. Yeah, and committed. I agree. And connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for bringing your sparky selves into our studio today. Nancy, we love you so much. Oh, I love how you're showing up in the world mm. and and bringing light. Really. Likewise. Yeah, you're doing important goes to work. You. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. We love sharing love stories of all kinds, and that could include yours. So do you or someone you know have an uplifting tale to tell? Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram using at Canadian Love Map or email producer at podstarter.io. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map.